Heavenly Father, we uh, we thank you for tonight, and we thank you for the chance we could get together and we can look at um, how you have um, have overseen um, your church and how your church has interacted with um, with the world all throughout history. And just pray as we explore. Um, this point in history with the rise of Islam, that we would learn more about Islam and more about our own faith in relationship to it. So um, help us tonight um, and pray your, your blessing would be upon our conversation and the discussion that we'll have. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Let me give you kind of a timeline here of some Things that have happened, so we, we, where we were was up through uh, uh, Augustine, right? Did we do Augustine last time? We did Thank two Jerome. sessions on Augustine. Yeah, yeah we just finished up with Jerome. Jerome, yes, the debate between Augustine and Jerome. Which and Jerome was right. Jerome was right. <laughs> <laughs> I would agree with, I I agree with Jerome. Um, yeah, well, I think I'd said this before. Uh, the Reformation, Augustine was a huge figure all throughout church history from that point on into the Reformation, was one of the most cited uh, of the Christian theologians at the Reformation era because he was an authoritative so source because of his views on the sinfulness of man and the, the complete salvation of God. For the reformers, but he was also cited by the, the Catholic Church in the Reformation because of his view on the church and sacraments. And so, um, and I think it was B.B. Warfield, I think that's who, it, who said it, B.B. Warfield said that the Reformation was the triumph of Augustine's doctrine of justification over and against his doctrine of the church. So, Yes, there's a lot we could agree with on Augustine in terms of his understanding of salvation, and there's a lot we would disagree with on Augustine being Protestant uh, because of how it would go against our understanding of the nature of the church and the sacraments. So, so but uh, so Augustine, uh, anybody remember what year Augustine died? Besides Pepe, because Pepe's got her in. Do not write. Yeah. <laughs> Just take a stab at 740? it. 740? 420 ish? 420 ish? <clears throat> I need to look at it here. Is it 430? 430. 430, 430. 430. yes. I keep going Jerome died in 420. 420. Jerome died in 420. And um, so let me get a, kind of go through the timeline till um, til we get to because Mohammed was born in about 575-ish, 570s. So we need to cover like all of the 400s and 500s up to 600. Um, so let's just kind of skim through some major events of the 400s and 600s as it relates to church. Um, we talked about the Council of Constantinople. That was 381. We did that in our last session. Um, and then we had Emperor in 391 is when Emperor Theodosius, Theodosius, becomes Emperor in the West, 
because remember the empire had two two capitals for a while one in the east in where would be the location in the east need some more chairs uh yeah is rosie here yes okay oh hi rosie just you and rosie yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I might just need to shuffle chairs around a bit. Who is who's here? I don't think anybody's here. Nobody's here? Oh. You got enough. Do we need another table? Just no, yeah, no hand up. Oh, okay. No, nope. we're good? Okay. Dead tree notes. Dead tree notes. We're covering, we're just kind of surveying a little bit. We're just kind of surveying a couple of advanced bullet points before we get to um, Islam. Let's see, um, 391 Theodosius. Theodosius becomes emperor in the west, um, which is which was headquartered in Rome. He actually kind of moved his like palace thingy. Um, I'm trying to remember where it was. Uh, it wasn't exactly in Rome. It was more like Greece area, I think. I don't remember where, but he becomes an emperor and he becomes a Christian, converts to Orthodox Christianity, and. Um, Hold on a second. Uh, here we go. Um, Theodosius the first or Theodosius the Great. Um, he reigns in the West, starting 391 or 392. 391, 392. We'll put 392. Um, he was a military leader, um, and in 380, uh, he was kind of he he held high. Uh, office in the from his retirement from the military 379 ish um, but then became a Christian was baptized a Christian at 380 and held to Nicene Orthodoxy he was the one who called for the Council of Constantinople so you remember it was Constantine who called for the Council of Nicaea in 325 and remember the the um, Council of Constantinople was kind of like Nicaea Part Two, where we, they kind of finalized the Nicene content, Constantinople um, uh, Creed. He was the emperor at the time who was calling for that one. He ends up becoming emperor over <coughs> the unified empire, I think, in 392. Uh, but while he was emperor in the east in 390, in a fit of temper, um, he ordered a whole bunch of the citizens of Thessalonica. Um, well, there was a riot in Thessalonica. Um, I think it was kind of like a bar brawl. Um, and one of the commanders of the military was killed in the brawl. And so when the news came to Theodosius, he was furious. Now, this was after he became Christian. Was absolutely furious and then ordered the 
um, 7,000 Thessalonians killed. Um, and who remembers the bishop? Who remembers the bishop in Milan who was very influential in Augustine's conversion? Mar Marcion. Marcion? Oh no, he's Marcion a, was a heretic. Yeah, Marcion was not a good guy. Yep. Start with A. Start with an A. A N. Uh, no. A M. A M. Ambrose. Yes. Ambrose. Uh, so he was, Ambrose was the uh, bishop of Milan at the time. And uh, he was absolutely furious with Theodosius' decision to have 7,000 of the Thessalonians uh, killed in violation of uh, the riots. As a matter of fact, he wrote some article or so, wrote some letters uh, to him. And uh, he basically was arguing, even at this time, which was kind of a precursor of what you would see much later, he was arguing that not even the emperor is above the law. And he was arguing that what he had done was an unlawful act, even though it was kind of his own uh, edict. So here you have kind of the beginnings of um, the, there was... Um, Rex, Lex, anybody, does that sound familiar to anybody? This Latin phrase, Rex, Lex? The law of the king? The king is, king is law. The king is law, yes. King, king is the law, basically. Um, and he was arguing uh, a little bit, kind of the precursors for Lex, Rex. King. Which is the law is king, right? He was arguing that uh, that the that you cannot even act unlawfully, even though you're a title uh, of of king. So uh, he ended up demanding that uh, Theodosius repent. Um, now this is this is largely because that was within his sphere, because Theodosius was baptized in the church. Um, but he was calling for publicly for Theodosius, the emperor, to repent for what he deemed and was arguing for was an illegal act. Um, let me read you an account uh, of what happened when Theodosius came to the church in Milan, and he was there on official business. This is a short time after the incident with Thessalonica. Um, when uh, Emperor Theodosius drew near the gates of the edifice of the church at Milan, he was met by Ambrose, the bishop of the city, who took a hold of him by his purple robe and said to him, in the presence of the multitude, Stand back, a man defiled by sin and with hands imbrued in blood unjustly shed, is not worthy without repentance to enter within these sacred precincts or partake of the holy mysteries. The bishop stops the emperor from entering the building, grabs him by his, by his purple official purple robes, and says, nope, unless you repent, you're not allowed to come in here and forbade him from having from taking uh, communion. 
I can picture you and like Gretchen Whitmer. <laughs> Did he live through that? Did he live through it? Well, let me tell you. Yeah, let me read. Uh, this is an account from. Um, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, can you imagine if you do that today? This is what happened. The emperor, struck with admiration at the boldness of the bishop, began to reflect on his own conduct and with much contrition retraced his steps. Ambrose rebuked the emperor, forbade him to enter the church, and excommunicated him. Theodosiusly publicly confessed his sin in the church. And during the time set apart for, pen, for, for penance, refrained from wearing his imperial ornaments, according to the usage of mourners. He also enacted a law prohibiting the officers entrusted with the execution of the imperial mandates from, from inflicting the punishment of death till 30 days after the mandate had been issued. So there, he basically put in a... Uh, a, yeah, like a grace period. So any ruling that would take place was an automatic 30 days before you can implement it. So that if he does, if the emperor, he or anyone else... Emotions. They're, let their emotions, exactly. So like my one minute delay on my email. That's a good, that's a good rule. Yeah. Just one I minute. I have it. One, I have one minute yeah. because when I fire one off, I can go, oh. And I'm actually very diligent about writing them now because I don't want to have to go back after them. You know. So yes, that's a point. You should do that for Twitter <laughs> and Facebook and everything else. But anyway, that's another story. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> you should see my drafts folder. <laughs> it's filled with, and I purge it every now and then. Um, so, um, yeah, so uh, basically he, in response to that, he publicly acknowledged his guilt. And then he even traveled to Thessalonica and he uh, repented publicly in Thessalonica as a public, uh, uh, as a public act and asked for their forgiveness. All because of Bishop Ambrose basically said, no, you have to repent. So um, any, thoughts on, any thoughts on Ambrose? I like him. Yeah. I like him a lot. He's got a lot of guts. Yes, it's not. Those, uh, yeah. I like the stones. <laughs> I was trying to think of the right <laughs> 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 Oh, let's see. 395, uh, Theodosius dies. Um, and uh, let's see what happens here. St. Patrick, we, that's kind of getting close to that time, aren't we? St. Patrick, he lived from 390 to 460. Of course, he drove out all the snakes, right? That's what he's famous for. Who was that? Wait, just kidding. St. Patrick? <laughs> just joking. Uh, let me give it a little bit about St. Patrick. Um, uh, he was born, I think, in like modern-day Scotland, but he was a missionary to Ireland, which, what was their religious practice? Pagan. Pagan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just, it was pagan. Um... And so he was a missionary to, uh, to Ireland and was actually founded a church in Arma, A-R-M-A. So I believe that one of the churches there uh, that he founded, I'm not sure if the church is still there. Um, 
Oh, I should have said this about Emperor Theodosius. It's often said that Constantine like made Christianity the official religion of the empire. That was actually Theodosius who, who had done that. Constantine just made it Christianity not illegal. Um, but as an official um, an official edict ruling Christianity as the religion of the empire, that was uh, that was this um, Did he do that Theodosius. before or after his like repentance thing? Is that not known? That was uh, interesting. Mm -hmm. If you would, that's gives yeah. a little bit more of a. I think it was. Um, it was after. It was the next year. Okay. So yeah, he was. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, let's see here. Four ten, Alaric, king of the Visigoths, um, conquers Rome. Conquers Rome. Um, he, he doesn't. He destroys it, but he doesn't really destroy it. Like Rome still is kind of operates as Rome. And then again, in 455, Rome is um, attacked by the Vandals. 420 is when Jerome dies. 430 is when uh, uh, Augustine dies. Who dies actually when the Vandals um, sack Hippo. Um, and then 476 is when um, um, Odoas, uh, uh, Odoacer, I don't remember what kingdom he was from. It's a, it's a Germanic kingdom, and actually I think it was called the, uh, the Odoacer kingdom or so. He was the one, uh, so there were puppet emperors in the West at this time. He comes into Rome and takes over and deposes the puppet emperor, um, Romulus Augustus or something like that. I don't remember. Um, what was this? Yeah, German barbarian leader, Romulus Augustu, Augustulus. And so um, uh, Odoacer crowns himself king of, of Italy. And so you have, basically at this time, the western half of the Roman Empire is now all fragmented into all sorts of different groups. You have the, the Franks, the, the Visigoths, the Ostrogoths, the Vandals. Um, you have the, Anglo the Angles. Which is the you had the Angles and the Saxons, which is the the forebearers of the Anglo-Saxon. Um, you had the Jutes, which I think is kind of like Denmark. So the the entire Western Kingdom is now broken up into all of these various uh, groups, some of whom are Christian, but are not Orthodox Christian. Most of the ones that are Christian uh, are Arian Christians. Okay, what do we remember about Arius or Arius? Arianism. Uh, Calvinist. What's that? They're not Calvinist. They're not Calvinist. They're not Calvinist. <laughs> and they're not Christian, actually. <laughs> Wasn't Arianism like the. Oh, well, that's why they wrote the Nicene Creed, right? Like, he, was, he was making himself. Being able to heal or like level with God or I can't 
put my tongue on the right thing, but yes, like the and get warm. You're yeah, warmer. Yeah. Uh, if I say uh, the Arians, the, the modern day equivalent of Arians would be Jehovah's Witnesses. So if that helps, yeah. What was the the issue with Jehovah's Witnesses? They believe that Jesus was a created being. Yes, a highly exalted one, but a created not one, not fully God. Not exactly, fully God. not fully God. So, so a lot of the Christian kingdoms um, were Arian at best, but a lot of the other ones were still pagan. So, like the 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 Angles, the Jutes, the Franks, and these are all the names should sound familiar, right? The the Saxons would be Northern French. The Franks would be German. France. Uh, yeah, Goths, Visigoths would have been kind of a German origin, even though the Visigoths moved down toward Spain. Um, the Vandals kind of take over North Africa, um, you know, and were they were kind of a really destructive people, which is where we get vandalism. That's where the word vandalism comes from. All these sound like early 80s punk rock bands. Totally. Don't they? The Vandals. <laughs> The Visigoths. The Visigoths. <laughs> oh man, totally. Um, the Franks. The Franks. Oh, yeah. that'd be a great band name. Anyway, um, side note. <laughs> we know Steve's next band name. Yep, the Franks. So let me go through some of these other ones. Oh, the Huns. I forgot the Huns. Um, yes. All right, so that takes Attila? us to Attila what's that? The Hun? Attila, yes, Attila would be Attila the Hun. When did he live? Let me see where, where Attila was. He was earlier. He was in the four fifties. Yeah, yeah. He he was uh, he died in four forty or four fifty three. So before the Vandals attacked and pillaged Rome. Um, yeah, actually, the before the Vandals pillaged Rome, the Huns were kind of coming down onto Rome. And Pope Leo at that time, he actually went out and met Attila the Hun and negotiated with him. And so he was Pope Leo was the bishop of Rome. He was kind of the one to really establish Rome as, oh, this is the, this is the most politically influential of the bishoprics all throughout uh, because he had a lot of political, and I think part of going out and dealing with Attila the, to negotiate with him to prevent him from coming into conquering the city of Rome um, gave him a great deal of status. And then that status translated to all of the bishops at Rome from that point. So um, that kind of gets us... We get to the 500s and a couple of other interesting things happen, but let's talk about Islam. Um, Can I ask one real quick question? Oh, sure. So yeah. Alaric and the Vandals and Odoacer were all attacking Rome, is that correct? Yeah, and then there's you know Attila from the Hun. Uh, they were... They were all, like, no, they weren't all attacking at the same time, but they would kind of come and conquer and then, you know, set up a puppet you know, rulers or something, or some, sometimes they just left, or sometimes they were defeated. Okay. When did Attila... Well, this would have been... When, when Leo... He dies in 4... He dies in 453. Uh, 
So I don't remember the exact year when he goes to, it's in the 430s, 440s. Let me, let me see if I can find that for you. For Pope, Pope Leo. I don't have, yeah, I don't have any Leo the Great. Leo was uh, consecrated bishop of Rome in 440. So yeah, it would have been in the 440s. And he died in 453. So in the 440s to 450s, early 450s. Was he the first pope, Leo? Well, um... I'm trying to think when the real when the papacy starts. Um, he may have been the one that was arguing for the the papacy, which would be the primacy of the bishopric at Rome. I think that was Leo. Didn't you say at one point that the they actually retroactively established the papacy? In terms of it, yes, as as being the the primary. Um, as the bishop of all of the bishops, um, as being like the head over the entire Roman church, yes, that, that's all done retroactively. They would go back and they would... There was a lineage of who was a bishop at Rome, but they would have viewed themselves as on par with any of the other bishops in the empire. Uh, but it wasn't until, I believe it was Leo I. Um, do you know for sure? I don't know. But I, I think that's when you, you have the argument for the, uh, the supremacy of the one, the bishop of Rome over all of the others. And that ends up winning out. And so then they, they retroactively say, well, then the bishop, of, the bishop of Rome in history past, they were all popes. Because so they could you, trace it from Peter, right? They trace it from Peter, exactly, yeah. yeah. How credible is that trace from Peter? Uh, you mean the actual persons that were, that were bishops in Rome? Yeah. Pretty accurate. Like, we do have a record of who was bishop of Rome from Peter. And on. Peter was the bishop at Rome? Yes, I believe he was at Rome, and he was pastoring in Rome when he dies. Yeah, because he's crucified in Rome. And by legend, he's crucified upside down because he doesn't want to die. Or he, he didn't consider himself worthy to die in the same manner as the Lord. But yes, was he pastoring in Rome? Was he considered a bishop like we would see with the big, you know... Funny hat. What are those hats called? I don't know. Stupid. Um, huh? Stupid. <laughs> Ugly. Ugly. <laughs> um, but Minor. no, there, there, there is a lineage of, um, of, of popes. I don't have the printout of all of the popes. Yeah. Well, our current pope is definitely not related to Peter. No. Mitre? Is that the name? Mitre! Yes! Because it's not That's it. Mitre. <laughs> 
Is that also the name for the the indentation of glass at the bottom of a wine bottle? Maybe you could look that up too. Well, I think that they share the same name. M I T R E, right? Yeah. Wine bottle, you know, where you put your thumb to pour it. Yeah, I guess so. Technically. It's like one of those words from Balderdash. I was going to say, unless <laughs> I made that up in a Balderdash game, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah, that's the minor. That's the minor, that's no big deal. It's also a 45 degree cut. <laughs> All right, let's go to, uh, unless there was more questions. What was the social, <clears throat> like, so we're going into Islam now. What was the social, like, thing of the day? Were they family-based? Were they moving away from being family-based? With like the bathhouses things, the Coliseum, do you know any like, history of that? Like, Hmm. Probably dependent on the culture. I yeah, mean, so I guess that's my, the culture. Where was, what, yeah, he's coming from the east, so what's the culture like in the in the European area at this moment because we have all these people coming in. Yeah. Obviously. And yeah, that's a good, that's a really good question. I think you, uh, I think culturally you're starting to see a fragmentation of it in the West mm -hmm. because of the different kingdoms that are carving up the Western half of the Roman Empire. Okay. So like the, all the groups I'd mentioned earlier. You know, the, the Franks, Hans, Goths, etc. Uh, in the eastern half of the Roman Empire, like Constantine there, it's still pretty much intact. And as a matter of fact, that's where it now becomes kind of the, um, the Byzantine era or the Byzantine Empire. Mm -hmm. Because that's the one that kind of sta stays together after Rome falls apart. So culturally, there's at least that holding it together. But specifically, like the background to like Muhammad, like in that air region of the world, like well, I North East Africa. There's got to be something that was attractive to. I'm sure you're going to get into it, but it was attractive to Islam for everyone because they go into Spain, I believe, right? In, in India. Yeah, in very short period of time. Yeah. Well, so you're right. That's a you bring up a good point. I think uh, what without getting ahead, but we could just jump ahead right now. Um, I think that the dividing up, um, I think that the expanse of Islam across Africa, because they go east too, mm -hmm. they, they go uh, like toward Persia even. Yeah. So they, um, Muhammad's successors, they go uh, east towards Persia and they also cut across Africa and they do end up crossing over into Spain. And as a matter of fact, they're in Spain for centuries. Spain was in Muslim control for centuries until, I think, like about the 1100s, 1400s, I think. 1492, I think. When 1492. When Columbus left. That was, that was like the last of. Yeah. I just said no kidding. Yes. Yeah. The Reconquista. It's a big year. The Reconquista <laughs> was the reconquering of, and was the, the the final like kind of pushing out of the the Muslims out of Spain. Yeah. So, might not have been like a almost year, a millennium. It was yeah. Ferdinand Magellan, I think, that, or for, not Ferdinand Magellan, the Spanish king and queen that 
Yeah. Where they'll kick out the last Muslims. Yes, yeah. And wasn't that called the Reconquista, the reconquering? They reconquered mm -hmm. the, uh, the rest of the Iberian Peninsula. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of surprising to think that there was that much, that the Muslim, Muslim control that far west, you know, of Europe. Um, and they came, they came across from the, uh, the, the Strait of, what's that, Strait Gibraltar? of Gibraltar? Strait of Gibraltar, right, right. So, which, uh, um, which Gibraltar, I think, is an Islamic term. Uh, the Rock of Gibraltar, which I think is, I don't remember, but I think that the term, I think Gibral, uh, doesn't, I'm, are you looking it up? I'm looking up. I think Gibraltar actually has the root word, Islamic root word, or uh, Arabic word term for rock in the word Gibraltar. So they even say, call it the Rock of Gibraltar is almost a, a redundancy. The Rock of Rock. I think it's the Rock of Gibral. Ah, okay. You finding it? Yeah. I haven't found the. Uh, the name is derived from Arabic, Jabal Tariq. Jabal Tariq. Oh, Tariq was the guy who conquered, who crossed over. Tariq. Yes. Yeah. And Jabal means rock, so it means Rock of Tariq. That's it. Right? Is that what Jabal? That's what it's suggesting. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, Islam. So I think the the I don't think the Vandals produced a long-lasting culture across North Africa. Mm -hmm. So it makes it more susceptible for then, you know, something like Islam to, um, you know, because Islam doesn't go. It goes into Constantinople, but it doesn't. It doesn't get any farther west of Constantinople into Europe. That's as far as they go. But if you go east toward Persia, they were able to conquer and across North Africa and then up that way. Um, if you were to see Muslim, you know, Islam, you know, here's Spain, here's France, you know, Italy. You know, all of this down here. That looks nice. <laughs> um, and then Paul's cringing. <laughs> you... I'm at the wrong angle. I can't tell what's going on. Um, so, uh, most, in, within, I think, with less than 200 years from, um, like, Islam had controlled, like, <laughs> I should have drawn a bigger, all the way this way, all the way over the, you know, Arabian Peninsula, um, and all the way across North Africa, and into Spain. Like, it controlled, it controlled all of that. When you say controlled, meaning politically, or it was the dominant religion? No, uh, well, Both, right? when it comes to, yeah. there's, there's, no distinction distinction Islam. Islam. there's yeah. not really a distinction, yeah. yeah. There is no separation of church and state there. <laughs> yeah. It, it seems as though, based on what you described above, for the 80 to 100 years or so, as the vandals and that was kind of coming in falling apart it created a vacuum yes and islam came in 
but then you said it stopped at Constantinople. Is that because that was a hub of Christianity? There was less of a vacuum there. Yes, I think so. I think that's if you know, if that's not a too simplistic way of looking at it. I think yeah, the 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 destruction of the fall of Rome in the West, the Roman Empire, because at this time there was kind of two empire, two parts of the the Roman Empire. There was the Roman half and the Constantinople half, and the um, this half gets all torn up, conquered, reconquered, lots of different groups. And I think it does create a, a, a vacuum or an opportunity for Islam to spread that way. Yeah. Did Northern Africa previously belong to the Roman Empire? Uh, yes, right? Because remember, Augustine was Bishop of Hippo. You know, so Augustine was from here, Tertullian, a lot of those, um, some of the main schools, the main Christian schools would be like there was Antioch up here in like modern day Syria or um, Turkey, Syria, Damascus. Um, and then the other one was um, Alexandria in Egypt. What were the five, the five big Cities? Uh, yeah, Constantinople. So I'd say maybe we put this one here. Is is Antioch, um, and then Alexandria, um, Rome would be one. Uh, Constantinople. Um, there were five. They they are. I call them the five. The, the Catholic Church refers to the as like the five jewels of the something. I can't remember the fifth one. So Hippo wasn't one. There was no, nothing Hippo. else. Oh, Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Oh, okay. Yeah, that'd be other one of the other big. Um, so Constantinople, Rome, Antioch, uh, Alexandria, and Jerusalem. It's, uh, it's just so hard to think of North Africa as having a heritage like that because it's so like distinctly cut off from the West and so culturally distinct. Yeah, it's hard to know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and two thousand years ago too. Like you know, you think of the history prior to that, like it's such a small fraction of time and how much Well and that's still really North Africa all of North Africa is really still under Muslim control, yeah. really. Yeah. I mean, look at the, what are the countries here we're talking about. Um, Morocco, Morocco, Tunisia, Tunisia Algeria, Libya, Libya Egypt. Egypt. I mean, all, all of those have, are very strongly Islamic. So, uh, so in, a, in a way, they never left. They got kicked out of Spain, mm -hmm. uh, but... But in Africa, um, it's but that's Islamic culture, really. There's not. Is Ethiopia more? It's, it's um, little. It's over the more south. Ethiopia would be kind of down over is here. Is the like that Islamic through there too? Like I know Ethiopia has some issues with. Yeah, you mean at this time or today? I today, think today I'm, I'm yeah. just thinking like because we're talking about the yeah. You know, 
Because it doesn't spread that far south in Africa. Like it, well, Christianity right, kind of. Well, right here is you, now you have the Sahara, right? So there's oh, yeah. not a lot there so anywhere. Yeah. So it, it's think of it. This is almost like an ocean. Yeah. Because there's nothing really inhabitable, you know, inhabitable right through this middle swath here. So everything, all of civilization, uh, is around it, and then down through the right. the southern part of it down. Well, how did it get that way? Let's let's look at let's look at um, the story of uh, of Muhammad. Uh, let's see here, and we're kind of in the section referred to as the mid medieval, medieval period or Middle Ages. I think medieval means Middle Ages, or is another. I don't know if that's a Latinized version of middle uh, for Middle Ages. I think that the rise of, some people say, well, the year 400 or the, uh, when Alaric conquers Rome is the beginning of the Middle Ages. Um, but some, some would argue for various dates right here. When does the Middle Ages begin? Um, which is all retroactively. It's looking, what's the big change? Um, some would say the rise of Islam. I think, I think that the Middle Ages really does begin with the rise of Islam, because it's a it's a brand new religion. I mean, they would argue otherwise, but it's a brand new religion, and it ends up <laughs> conquering a section as as almost as big as the Roman Empire, or bigger than the Roman Empire, and in a very very short period of time. I, I would I like the the case for why the Middle Ages begins here. Four five seventy. 570, uh, Muhammad is born. Um, he's born from a, a very powerful, or lives in a very, comes from a very powerful tribe called the Qureshi tribe. Did you say 570 or 470? 570. I think I started to say 470. Um, um, the book you read, the author? Nabil Qureshi. Qureshi, yes. And I wondered if there's a, you know. Is it spelled the same? Uh, it's Q-U, yeah, Q-U-R-I-S-H. I think that's, yeah, something like that. I'll spell it my own He was born in Mecca, which, uh, do we have a map of it? Do. Let, me, let me draw real quick a map of, like, Saudi Arabia here. Um... So, I don't know, it kind of goes like this, big kind of triangle like that, or rectangle. Rectangle. Um, and then you have this, like the Sinai Peninsula, and then kind of that way, right? So here's Sinai, here's Israel, here's Saudi Arabia, here's like modern day Yemen. Um, do I have that right? Basically, yeah. Basically, yeah. Yeah, okay, so, yeah, so here's Saudi Arabia, and then this is, so here's Persia over here, um, you know, here's like Qatar, World Cup is going to be there. Um, 30,000 degree weather. <laughs> There's supposed to be all air conditioning, you know, they moved it from the summer to November and December, so it's always been in the summer, June and July, and they moved it to... Uh, there. So Mecca, 
uh, so here's Mecca, it's along the coast here, and then there's another town called uh, Medina here. So um, Mecca. And this is important, those, why those two cities there um, being apart. Um, so southwest coast of uh, Central Arabia, or we would say Saudi Arabia today, um, his father died before he was born. His mother died when he was six. He was raised by his uncle. Um, and he was, so he was, he was a little bit in uh, poverty, uh, but ends up working really hard, working as a merchant, ends up working for a, a, a wealthy widow woman um, who has a merchant business. He ends up being very successful. And uh, he ends up marrying her. She's 15 years his senior. Uh, her name is Khadija, K-H-A-D-I-J-A. Uh, they have six children. And uh, so this kind of gets a little bit to Steve, maybe you're, the, you asked about the background to, the, to Muhammad and culturally. Um, he, was a, he was a pretty wealthy merchant. And if you can imagine all of like the... Um, trade routes kind of running through this way. It's not far from kind of the main bridge over from Europe to Africa to the east was right was ran right through Israel. You know that little narrow strip of land here too. But a lot of um, merchandising when stuff would come down this way. So he traveled quite a bit all throughout this region. So he met on his travels, he met Jews. He met Christians of the Aryan variety. He met Christians of uh, the Nestorian. Remember Nestorius? We looked at the various different groups and um, um, Apollinarian Christians. He met all of these different kinds of Christians, and I'm sure these conversations would happen he would, he would talk with Jews, he would talk with, with Christians, he would encounter pagans. As a matter of fact, most of um, Saudi Arabia or Arabia would have been as pagan as Abraham was before he was called. Like, they, everybody was pagan. I mean, keep in mind, you know, Ireland and um, Northern Europe is all pagan at this time, too. So, um, so they worshipped various other gods and local family deities and those kinds of things. Um, so, he, so he is encountering all of these various religious things. I think that comes into play with some of his religious views. Um, um, those are more my opinion. Well, I'll explain that later. Um, but in 610, 610 AD, uh, he used to make it a practice to go up into the caves near Mecca where he lived um, and to just go and meditate. And in 610 AD, he receives um, his first personal revelation from Allah, which is just the Arabic term for God, via the angel Gabriel or Jabril, I think is the name. Supposedly. Yeah. Supposedly. And these were um, his very first revelation that he gets from the, in his meditations, from Jabril or the angel Gabriel, from Allah. And um, 
And well, actually, I can just read it. You want me to read to you the first few verses of it? Let me read the first couple of verses. There we go. Um, this is, it's in the Quran, it's uh, Surah, which is just a chapter. Surah is basically a chapter. Um, Surah 96. They believe this is the first, the very first recitation that uh, Muhammad gets. Recite in the name of the Lord who creates, creates the human from a clot. Recite for the Lord is the most generous, who teaches by the pen, teaches the human what he does not know. And then it goes on. By no means. Surely the human transgresses insolently indeed, for he considers himself independent. Surely to your Lord is to return. So, anyways, just thought I'd read the beginning. The very beginning of the very first recitation that Muhammad receives. When he gets it, he actually is terrified. He's totally terrified at what he has uh, heard. And so he goes back to his wife, Khadijah. Um, I believe he shares with some other people in, uh, in his tribe. And his other uh, people in his tribe said, you're... You were possessed by a demon. <laughs> I think they were probably right. Um, should have gone with that first instinct. But he comes to his, his wife and tells his wife about this, and he's terrified. And he's even suspicious that he may have been uh, hearing from a demon. And she reassures him that, no, I believe that Allah did, in fact, speak to you. And um, I believe that what you heard is correct, and it is a recitation, and you are... And now a chosen prophet of Allah, and I am your first follower. That's what she. That's what she says. And so it all begins from there. It's evidence of both a wife's ability to encourage and mislead her. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, he. Um, so they, <laughs> present company excluded. <laughs> present company excluded. Yeah. Um, so slowly he becomes a leader of a new religious movement and he would regularly then go up to the cave and he would come back with new recitations and he would share with uh, some people there and he was getting uh, a great deal of pushback from a very pagan society. Ultimately, was, his main teaching was that there is only one God and he is the supreme God and he's unknowable and he's completely other. Um, so, so, what you just described is, is a very generic theology, and isn't that different from the theology of the people around him? Well, yeah. See, that's a that. So, doesn't it start to sound like he's he's been on his merchant travels? He's come in contact with Jews. He's come in contact with Christians, and. He, you get some incorporation of some of those ideas into kind of an, uh, you know, an amalgamation or borrowing some of those ideas. What do we have any idea as to what his religious, what his belief system was before six ten? Uh, pagan. Okay. Yeah, it would have been like 
local tribal gods and deities and those kinds of things, yeah. But maybe something happened in his interactions with his merchandising with Jews and Christians and Aryan Christians. Especially Aryan Christians, right? Because they would, they would reject Jesus as God. They would be uh, very monotheistic in their orientation because they, they having Jesus as God without there being this, the Nicene understanding with one God eternally existing in three persons, and yet each person is its own person and not three different, you know, faces. And um, he would have been dealing with perhaps a lot of Aryan Christians who would have been very monotheistic and would have spoken of as Jesus as a, a prophet and, you know, the son of God or something like that. And then the interactions with Jews in Jerusalem, very much monotheistic. So here you have, um, that's, the, that's the, the thing it shares, the similarities, yeah. is the monotheism. Yeah. Even this too, like some of these, like recite in the name of the Lord who creates, creates the humans from a clot. Um, when I read that, I think... Um, I think the, the biblical account is that human beings are created from, and this is like a clot, meaning a clot of blood, right? Um, how's that different in the biblical account of human creation? It's not created from blood. Yeah, dust. It's created from the dirt. Created from the ground, right? Yeah. Where'd the clot come from? Um, well, it's, that's interesting, because the Hebrew, the Hebrew word for blood is dam. The Hebrew word for man is adam. The Hebrew word for uh, the ground is adumah. They're all related, right? Because man was formed out of the ground. So you have this kind of, this similar kind of language that's brought into all of them. Is he confused? Is Adam he... is like ground guy. Ground guy, ground. yeah. <laughs> man is ground guy. Yeah, ground guy, yeah. Um, it, it, it's like he heard all these different things in his travels. He went into his cave, took some drugs, took some drugs, mixed them all together, and wrote some stuff down. And yes, yeah, got some parts right and jacked up some other parts. And he there's more of a nuanced way you could put it, but I agree. I think that that's exactly. I mean, the people would say, "Well, maybe he, you know, he's this is his version of." I'm like, no, this is what the dude did. He was. Stoned in a cave, and he was mixing together a lot of these kinds of things. And he was by himself. And, I mean, that just in and of itself, from a um, poking holes in the argument perspective. I There's made no evidence up. for his right. claims. Yeah. Right, whereas, was Christ a real person? Well, there's many, many, many people, eyewitnesses, mm -hmm. and recorded accounts. Well, Muhammad went into a cave yeah. by himself. Sort of like yeah. Joseph Smith. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, 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 just like a Joseph Smith. You know, a prophet hearing from. And from isn't the he grabbing some of the pagan things too as he's developing his new religion? Well, what part? Because like he would be strongly monotheistic. Moon god type thing they had there. Like I've watched this show. It was on Christian TV. At one point, the guy was like, pull his holes and. 
is he's all about Islam, but like he's talking about how he just kind of brought in things from like jinns and things like that. Yeah, just like different parts of other religions and kind of put it together. Yeah, I think so. As long as it would be like strongly monotheistic, still monotheistic, but yeah. like it's drawing off, you know, like legends of like yeah, legends. like you know, because of the crescent moon or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know the right term that, but he brought in like clot. He brought in this Hebrew thing, and then like monotheism from you know Christianity and that kind of like. Yeah, it. I think you. you I think you're. You're right. He's, and like, and like what Paul was saying too. There's kind of a, getting these different ideas that he's probably heard from Judaism, from Christianity, from certain forms of Christianity, and is, putting those together. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, how I'll add this though. He was not very popular. He was getting a great deal of persecution from his own tribe, mm-hmm. and. Um, he had a small group of followers that would follow him as he would go and get more of these recitations and stuff like that. But he was becoming more persecuted, more ostracized in Mecca. And he ends up having to leave Mecca. So he leaves, he and a group of his followers then go up to the next town in uh, Medina or Medina. And this is actually where it takes off. He starts to get a whole lot more followers uh, up in uh, up in Medina here, and um, and in 622, that's the year of this pilgrimage that he and his followers take to go from Mecca to uh, Medina. 622 is when his uncle dies, and his uncle was kind of the buffer between he and the rest of the tribal leaders who didn't like what he was saying because they liked their pagan deities, and this guy was teaching monotheism. They were very persecuting. Um, and his uncle uh, Ab, uh, Abu Talib was very like protected him. He dies, and now he's forced to flee, and he takes his followers. But then it really starts to grow. He starts to continue his preaching about uh, Allah, and there being only one Allah, and it really starts to grow from from this point forward. And uh, he ends up becoming. It's not called Medina at this time. It has a different name, but it's later called Medina. He ends up becoming very popular and becomes a political, not just a religious leader, but also becomes elected to be like the political leader of the city. And um, he ends up building an army and did some raids around some local villages and tribes around him. Um, He raided some of the caravans, the merchant caravans that were traveling along the routes. I think to probably fund his, uh, he becomes very politically strong. He becomes kind of a leader of an army. He becomes a leader of a religion and he ends up becoming very wealthy. And the majority of the town ends up converting to Islam, which means to submit, by the way. So a Muslim is one who submits. Islam means submission. Um, and so from 622, he, ends, he dies in 632. So in these 10 years, he becomes very powerful. Um, and he ends up returning in 630 back to Mecca and ends up conquering Mecca militarily. And um, 
so it kind of recaptures his, his hometown and continues to grow and spread and Islam really starts to, to grow from there. So, um, Islam then uh, kind of takes off from there. There's a couple of successors and the first couple of successors is Abu Bakr. These names might sound familiar, by the way, if you've been paying attention to the news since the mid-2000s. Um, Abu Bakr, um, he took over as leader for, um, from Muhammad, and he ended up going east to conquer. He ends up conquering Syria, north of Israel. What year is this? Uh, 632 to 634 is Abu Bakr. He basically conquers Iraq and Iran, modern-day Iraq and Iran. Uh, he dies, and uh, the third caliph, which means, you know, is caliphs would be the name of the leaders, is Umar or Omar. It's like, is it Usama or is Osama? I don't, you know, it's either Umar or Omar. And he, uh, he lives for about 10 years, and he conquers a lot of the Byzantine area. So he's the one who takes it up close to, Constant, uh, to Constantine, Constantinople. Um, he conquers Damascus, he conquers Jerusalem, he conquers Antioch. Um, uh, and then it starts to work its way uh, uh, west across North Africa. Uh, the third caliph after Muhammad is Uthman or Othman. Um, he was the one who actually co collects all of Muhammad's recitations and puts them into the book, which we know as Quran. And is he the one, though, that eliminated all the alternate versions, had them all burned? Y yes, if there were any corruptions or debatable sections, yes. Well, I think there were, I think everything was debatable. Like, there were people who had memorized it, but they all had very, very, very different versions. So he just picked one and said, this is the right oh, one. Oh, yeah. Everything else was, at least he attempted, I don't know if he was successful. Yeah, he was the, he, yeah, he, he was the one He attempted to eliminate any competitors, because otherwise people were saying, oh, you have it this way, I have it like this. And they're, they're not just like different word choices, they're radically different yeah. statements. And so he was the one who had the official, like, he's like, this is the official one. Yep. And as the caliph, he was able to do that? I, yeah. I mean, right. I don't know if it was him, but there was somebody who did that. Yeah. It's got, I think it's got to be him, because he's the one who is, is credited with collecting what we know today as the Quran. Okay. Is, is uh, Uthman or Othman. Yeah. Can I ask two questions before sure. we go too much further? Yeah. Um, the first what evidence is there that Muhammad was taking some kind of drugs or hallucinogens or something? Mm. I was being flippant when I said drugs. I don't it sounds very likely, though. It sounds very plausible. Yeah, I don't know what. Yeah. Like, is there any? That's a good question. I don't know. I, I kind of... You'd probably have to go to secular history to see what people in that era were doing for meditation. Yeah. Right, if he's going to meditate, maybe he's got something to go along with. Right, I mean, it, it probably it wouldn't be out of question. I mean, it's that's a good, that's a really good question. I, I would have yeah. just assumed that would have been typical in pagan right. practice. 
you know, hallucinogenics or anything. But in terms of evidence, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Uh, okay, so my other question is, um, do you have any sense of what led to this um, really impressive military might that just is so fast and sweeping? You know, how did these few followers plus Muhammad conquer these large areas in like a decade? Yeah, uh, that's a that's a really good question. Um, can I just give you my theory? Sure. Okay, m m my theory is um, Muslim scholars. So so here's the so let me go back to the Quran. Mm -hmm. So the Quran, which this uh, Uthman or you know, Uthman or Uthman collects. Says these are the the authoritative ones. Uh, you need to think of these. Uh, if you've ever read the Quran, it's it's not easy reading because all of them read as um, as just a directive, not from Allah, but from Allah to to Gabriel to Muhammad. And so it's very one way. It's kind of like is if you know here's the word the words the Lord says this and then what comes next it sounds like you know um, or if I could say you mean like it's a it's all a monologue there's no conversation right okay. yes uh, or like if you ever read Jesus Calling the Sarah Young book so Sarah the Sarah Young Jesus Calling I mean. What, how many? 100 million copies? So I don't know how many. It's a lot. Mm. Um, but she, she claims in her first version, she claims like she is part of her devotions. She could hear the, the Lord Jesus speaking to her. And so it's all written as Jesus' words. So you're supposed to read it like Jesus is saying these things. And of course, if anybody's read their Bible and you're reading these things, you go, it doesn't sound like... That doesn't sound like the Jesus of the Bible that I know. It sounds like a, uh, a self-help Jesus, you know, telling you everything's going to be okay and there's no words of warning or judgment or, um, you know, cut off your right hand. You know, there's nothing resembling that. But, but when you read it, my um, reason why I bring that up is when you read Jesus Calling, you're reading it, you're, you're, you're reading it as these are Jesus' words. She's writing down Jesus' words. That's kind of how the Quran feels. It feels like that. You need to know there's not there's not a historical narratives. Uh, there's not uh, poetry, although some people would say that the Arabic of this is very beautiful. I, don't, I wouldn't know. Um, but you these are you not think of them as letters like you know I Paul I'm writing these words with my own hand. It's nothing like that. You need to all think of it, and it's not like the Psalms either, which the Psalms are the words of the psalmist writing, you know, to the people of Israel or to God. You need to hear these as a one-way thing, okay? So less like communication and more like a rant? Yeah, kind of, yes. Like I just need like, to express this? Yeah, they wouldn't even say these are, you know, Muhammad's words because he's just reciting what he's been given and he's just giving it out. But you need to kind of read it as these are all Allah talking, okay? Um. And Muslim scholars will will say, uh, and the reason, and when you go to the Quran, by the way, 
except for the very first one, uh, they're all arranged in purely size order. So there's uh, each chapter is, and again, each one is its own thing, so you don't think of them as chapters. In a way, it's similar to this book of Psalms. Each psalm is its own psalm. So each one of these chapters, which is called a surah, is its own thing. And it's just arranged not in a chronological order. It's just largest to smallest, except for the first one, which acts as an introduction. Okay? Now, having said that, Muslim scholars um, have been able to, and there's a debate on a couple of them here and there, but they could basically tell uh, which of the two periods of, Mo of Muhammad's ministry the, the surah were written. Mm -hmm. There's... The, the Meccan Surat and the Medinan Surat. Okay? Surat is a period the or plural. Is a collection of Surah? Yeah, Surat Surahs. would be plural of Surah. Okay. So, uh, chapters. So, there's the, the Meccan chapters and the Medinan chapters. Okay? Um, you'll hear Muslims say Islam is a religion of peace and it's about mankind getting along. Mecca. But some will go, but I can show you passages in the Quran where it talks about how it's not just encouraged, it's, in, it's demanded for Muslims to kill. I can show you those, 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 are, uh, those are the Medina. Um, so I should, have, I should look this file up. It's on, I, so I, back when I did the sermon series on this, were you all here when we did? That sermon series on Islam? 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 When was that? Oh, 2013. Yeah. Really early on. I had I had made a chart of all the the Meccan ones and the Medina ones, and then I had colored and then put them in their chronological order. Category. Chronological order. Chronological order. Well done. I'll nice find work. Nice work. I'll, I'll find this chart that I made, and so I I marked all of the ones that had clear violent kill language mm -hmm. in it with a like red red with a red box. Yeah, yeah, I did it in Word, and I clicked them and I highlighted them in red, and then I went through and I looked at all the ones that talked about peace and you know amicability and we get along with Jews and Christians because he talks about Jews and Christians. He talks about Jesus in the mm -hmm. in the Quran. Um, Isa is his name. Um, son of uh, Ibn Maryam with son of Mary, you know, they'll even say things like that. And so you look at the peace ones, and wouldn't you know it, <laughs> if it doesn't line up, every quote violent one, and I did orange for, you could interpret these as violent ones, every violent one, the red and orange, are all Medina. There's not a single violent one in any of the Meccan surah. And all of the peaceful ones, are in Mecca ones. Not all. There are perhaps maybe a couple of Medina ones. Here's my opinion. Here's my opinion. This, the, the, this, in the same way that Sarah Young's Jesus calling is, what do you want to hear about Jesus? How can he infirm you and your feelings and you know those kind of things? It would be very reasonable to, uh, to see how um, these recitations, these revelations, really start to speak to the situation that Muhammad is in. 
when he's ostracized mm -hmm. and his tribe hates him and his uncle has to protect him to save his life, it sure seems like a religion of peace. But when he now develops a political army, and, you know, he's a political leader and has an army of 100,000 soldiers, and, um, and in order for us to fundraise, we need to go and attack the caravan that's traveling down the road. Hold on, let me go up into the mountain and, oh, I have some word for you. You know, mm -hmm. you know um, Allah says, peace comes under the shade of my sword, for instance, or spear. You start to see, like, right. these sure seem convenient. They seem convenient. So, so you think the military might stems from this change in Muhammad himself and his experience? I mean, I kind of feel like this is like a school shooter situation. Like I'm being socially rejected here, mm. and I'm going to pour out my anger in a certain way. Yeah. Um, people who reject me, including those Jews and Christians and whatever. Um but the military might still stems from his change in um, just in view. Like maybe his, his charisma is um, helping him succeed in bringing people to follow him, but it's still that sort of change in his mind and heart that gives the fuel to get this huge number of people who are just willing to conquer for him. Yeah. Is that? Am I seeing this correctly? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think um, um, Lord Acton, you know, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Uh, I think that that really describes, I mean, describes almost every form of power. But look at what, how, how much power he gets and influence he gets. And does that now turn to... Can my can my revelations now be custom made to fit to to expand my power and my influence, and so the change that has to happen in somebody from I'm just have a simple genuine faith to now that to me I think that seems like a pretty legit explanation for what's happening. Is that what you're getting at? Is yeah, I think kind of yeah. His absolute control. I think it's the like, and probably the spoils of war when he's in Medina. Like he starts to conquer a couple of caravans, and the spoils of that war, you know, I have a revelation, and now you've got all this gold and whatever else. And then, oh, I had another revelation. We're gonna go after this caravan because, you know, remember the sword and like yeah. just to continue. Yeah. So I don't know. I yeah. Strange. Are if you I can try and answer Rosie's question, oh, sure, yeah. I think there are a few things. If you can convince people that what you want them to do is what God demands of them, and you can force people to join your religion or die, and you can promise them 72 virgins in heaven if they are martyred, you have virtually unlimited power. Like... You're pulling all the levers of manipulating human nature. Yeah. yeah. I never saw it as a power corrupt in that way before. We can go back to the 
the followers and what they do. Oh, yeah. It <laughs> so much from Oh, no, that's, I think that, that that ties in with the, the expansion here because I think that helps to explain um, if, if you have, if this, if there really is only one God and he spoke to Muhammad and he's a prophet and let's assume he's a fraud, which I think he is, right? I think he's a fraud. I think he's manipulating his religious power for his own material earthly ends. By fraud you mean he knows that he's lying rather than he's deceived and doing it mm. because he was possessed or on drugs or something. That's not what I meant by fraud, okay. but I see, yeah, uh, but I mean more that he's that these are not genuine revelations from the true God, so that the, he's a false prophet, I guess. Or um, One would expect them to be internally consistent if they were genuine revelations. Yeah. It, it could also be both. It could be uh, perceived revelations, drugged or not, whatever, uh -huh. and then at a certain point he sees the result of right. said revelations. I've got my business plan all worked out, and man. And he's working. Yeah. And let's just keep going, and yeah. we'll just make it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Satan hates God's creation, and uh, so I would think that he's under under Satan's control on the whole thing, and it just ex escalates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's, they've just brutalized millions and millions of people. Yeah. Over religion. For a peaceful religion, they have really. Yeah. It, and the, not a good track record. It's not a good track record at all. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's, it's strange to know, like, I have a driver who is Muslim, and I have had several of them, and out of the maybe 10 or 15 we've had, one is actually. I would consider a peaceful Muslim. I'm gonna to go to I'm gonna be a temple, whatever they call it, you know, and and he he's willing to roast a lamb for us on Passover. Like he has no issue. And I think Yassin, I don't know that he's um, he's not from what I understand, he's uh, he was raised that way, but yeah. he has uh, moved away from the faith. Yeah, and he's from what I'm get what I've gathered. He's searching. Mm -hmm. Is that the guy that does your beard? Yeah. Twenty second, I see him. Yeah. <laughs> Again, instead of every eight weeks. But anyway, like I, I just uh, same as Christianity. I mean, obviously ours is the right one, but like there are the peaceful ones. But I don't know that. Like my friend Russ, grew up. I, mean, I always go back to the story. I grew up with him. He was Anglican Catholic. I was Catholic. So we kind of had this little bit of a relationship. But, like, uh, he got into drugs and just bad. And he was, like, down and out at a gas station. And I'm, the guy who was from the Islamic faith came like, do you know, do you know God? Do you know Allah? He is Muslim to this day. Prays six times a day or whatever it is. Like, and it, it almost hurts me because, like, I'm, I'm a Christian. I could have been there for you, but I was not there. I was distracted by, you know, I, but he's 
also peaceful, very wealthy, well-to-do. I mean, wow. probably the most successful kid from our class. Wow. You know, I mean, we have the superintendent of Hudsonville and Traverse City Public Schools, and it doesn't even come close to what Russ has become. You know, Muhammad, I'm sorry. <laughs> Is it, she, he changes his name to Muhammad, Muhammad Rasul. Rasul. Wow. Yeah, yeah. My dad still does his taxes. That's why you know more about him. I'm, you know, communicate with him. But like, that, that's why you know how successful he is. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 well, my dad doesn't like disclaim what he makes. He, my dad's like he is very, very successful. He was very smart, mm-hmm. but he was at a low point, and he got, you know, quote unquote saved, which is not the right word for it, but yeah. you know, for us, but. So it's, that's why I study and that's like, I like to know what's the interest in it. Like, I don't, I guess I, I just don't know what it is. And it just makes it strange to me why one person, yes, and another person, no. Coming from from his background, though, I don't, I don't think Muhammad was intending to create something new. He was building on. Yeah. Um. Judaism and Christianity, Islam was a continuation of that, right? The Quran was, he was given this supposedly to mm-hmm. carry on Allah's work. Mm-hmm. And they don't, you know, they don't poo poo the Jews and Christians. They, they say, well, yeah, you got it right, but it's not, it's, we have the more, you know, we have the rest of the story. Yeah. But they say that the, Bible that we have has been corrupted. Yes. Yeah. From what point is it corrupted in their opinion? Like, do they believe in the, like, Torah and then, like, the, is there a certain spot where they go, oh, that's corrupted from that point? Or is it corrupted from the very beginning? Because I think they, they follow all the, like, they're considered an Abrahamic yeah, a, a, yeah. religion. Right. So, at least the first couple books. Right. I think it's also what you're describing, too. There's a shift there too. There's parts where you could point to where it seems like, well, we're just we're we're brothers and sisters with Jews and Christians, mm-hmm. but then there's also a point at which the the Quran gets very critical of of Jews and Christians, and I haven't done that far. I only did the violence part, but I wouldn't be surprised to think that um, if Jews and Christians were like, no, you don't understand the Trinitarian God, you know, like that he, you don't see more of the Medinan shift in tone to those. I'll, I'll have to do some research on that, but but you're right. The the Quran does present itself, or Islam does present itself as the continuation. Jesus is another prophet, and Muhammad's the final prophet. Um, that's, that's fascinating. I don't, I don't think I've ever heard it put that way. So someone in your friend's case who had had that knowledge, that background of Jesus and the church and Christianity, yeah. hears this, oh, there's more to the story? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and in a little spot, yeah. right? Yeah. Bad time in his life. No job. Down his luck. Smart yeah. kid. You know, here's an offer. You know, and I don't know what the offer is. <laughs> For yeah. me, like, I don't see any, I, I can't get past my, my total depravity and my salvation through one man. Like, I can't get past that. I can't, there's nothing 
that anybody can offer me that I have eternal life. Everything I've done has been forgiven through, you know, him. Like, I don't know what, I don't see, like, I'm, this is why I'm asking questions. Like, I don't get, you know, what the point of anything past Christ is. Like, there is nothing. So, that's why that's, I... Ask. That's the appeal of, of the modern Christian movements, too, is more. Right, yeah, more, exactly. More I, I see that, yeah. You get, they got to one-up the next person. You got to one, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's always more and more and more. There is more. That's the, for me, like recently, more for me has been going back to the Old Testament, mm-hmm. right? And just seeing all that stuff. All the correlation of where Christ is in there through the whole story. And um, that just, that, it, that to me is the more. You're and, saying the more is going back and getting yeah. what you missed before because right. you weren't really paying attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, yeah. Paying attention, I. Uh, I don't know if that's the correct word, but like I didn't dig into it, right? Because um, people will read the Bible and start, I think someone said they'll read Genesis, Exodus, Deuteronomy, and then ah, oh, Leviticus gets kind of boring. <laughs> Numbers, oh man. You know, then you kind of can skip to Joshua or whatever, but like, you know, but there's so much in there. There's, and when you did your thing on Leviticus, there's so much in there that is has to do with the Messiah that you know but today they want more they want something different they don't want to go back in the church to teach out of the book of Leviticus and go this is the gospel's here already you're not even seeing it you know so I don't yeah. know yeah so for me like, I'm going back and looking at it yeah so and yeah who's your friends give a name again Russ Russ Brown Russ Brown Russell V. Brown the third that's an Islamic name for you. <laughs> That's Mohammed what? No? Mohammed Rasul. Is that the Russ? Did he wear yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. Rasul? <laughs> we have, we've talked about like doing a gathering of like the we had like four guys that really hung out through high school and we've always talked about getting back together and you know, just hmm. talking. Like we've never, you know, been able to like in forty eight thirty years. You know, I mean, we here and there, but 30 years ago, like, that's basically the last, mm. you know, so. Uh, let me, let's Sorry, continue. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. Sorry. <laughs> let me go off on um, a tangent there. Was, was there any other questions? I, I a couple other things I wanted to go from the, the thing, and then we could look at some of their main Christian <laughs> teachings. And then I think next time we'll spend some time uh, looking at, um, really comparing the Islam with Christianity and the continuation stuff. Like, so, you know, Muhammad claims to be, or, you know, is another prophet, claims to be another prophet. How does that line up? Like, apologetically, I guess it would be like... My dad was an event. <laughs> Sorry. That's John Piper right there. Yeah, it was. It's a John Piper. I was going to my notification and I click on it and it's gone. Um, That's awesome. Uh, so we did, let's go, we'll go back to some of his, his successors here. Um, we looked at uh, Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, and then Ali. Um, He married his youngest daughter, uh, Fatima, 
He married his youngest daughter, Fatima. You mean Ali married Muhammad's youngest daughter? Yes, okay. right. Um, and the from this point on, this is where there's a major division that happens in Islam between, uh, and the, the, the issue is, what, who is the true successor to Muhammad? And some say, no, it, it's the political, strong political leader. The other says, no, it's the, it has to be a family relation or blood relation. So the political side is the Sunni side, which means path. Um, and the other side is the Shia party, which I think is connected to the name Ali. The, the, the Shiat Ali, I think, is party of Ali. So because he married um, Muhammad's daughter, that their children had like a bloodline. And so there, that's the distinction between Sunni and Shia. Fivander wondered, like, what are the distinctions there? That's Who was the Sunni leader that they followed? The Sunni leader was, well, from that point on, was Hassan uh, ibn Ali, and then, um, I know he was the one who actually argued for the, uh, for Shia. Then there's uh, Muawija. Is that mine? I can go look and see who it is. Oh, no, it wasn't yours. So that's evidence of a peaceful religion right there when they fight against each other. When they're, yeah, they, yeah, I don't know if they fight each other. I think uh, they're, they just split. You know, they were like, well, we think that you guys are, you guys are wrong here. But um, so when you hear the term caliph, caliph, that's me, that means the leader on the Sunni side. If you hear of an imam, I believe that that's the term for the leader on the Shia side. And globally, I think it's like 85, 80 or 85% of Muslims in the world are Sunni. Shia is a very small percentage, 15, I think, or maybe less. Um, and the Shia are the ones that are mostly in um, Persia, on the Persia side. So, uh, like, the big... Iran is Shia. Almost everywhere else is Sunni. You might have Shias in the other parts, but, um, like, maybe in Ethiopia, there might be a, you know, a percentage of Shia, but um, most of the Islamic world is Sunni. Iran is like 90% Shia. It's like we're almost all the Shia are. And is that where some of their their beliefs started to... I mean, I, I, if I'm understanding you right, there was a core belief that they disagreed in as far as the successor. Yeah. But as I understand it today, they are... They are... A, they are opposed to each other, and they they operate very differently. One is more peaceful, one is less. So it almost seems like there was there's a beliefs, a core beliefs, that played themselves out dramatically differently. Is yeah. one more peaceful, or is that just what each one says about themselves as opposed to the other? 
because I remember during like when Iran was you know the whole problem between USA and Iran I always heard oh the Sunnis are more peaceful and the Shias are more you know but then we had problems with Iraq and I started to hear oh actually it's the other way around like yeah I, I don't think either side is peaceful <laughs> I think that's all yeah. a load of propaganda at least that's my opinion yeah. or we have war with East Asia or West Asia <laughs> Well, Iran's been fighting with everybody. Right, yeah. I think they're both next. Uh, Iraq is an interesting one because that's where you, you actually have uh, the of all of the countries that had probably the closest split between Sunni and Shia. So if you remember in the Iraq war, it was like, how could we get to, to the... the side with the Shia on, you know, and gain the alliance with the Shia against this and the Sunni against whoever, you know. That's where it was a big uh, thing. So it was for um, Saddam Hussein. He was constantly having to appease different parts of his Muslim, you know, the, the distinction there. But, but yeah, is, but Iran does not like Saudi Arabia. And Saudi Arabia does not like Iran. Right. Yeah. But Yemen seems to be getting money from, Iran. or at least some rebel groups in yeah. Yemen are getting money from Iran. So yeah. are they Shia or are they just, is it just that Iran is the enemy, or the, yeah, the enemy of my enemy, therefore my friend? Yeah. You know, I could look that up. I'm pretty sure that, the, that Yemen might have a... Uh, a significant Shia population, and it might be the revolution, but I don't think it shares the same, um, excuse me, Sunni makeup as Saudi Arabia or the other okay. uh, countries there. That could, I think, that very well could be because Saudi Arabia is like almost completely Sunni. Yeah, yeah. Is there a third part? Because during the Iraq War, they were talking about breaking Iraq up into three parts. Well, yeah, I'm not sure if there are there are splinters off of those two main groups. Um, there are also different ethnic groups that might have been, like the Kurds may have been mm -hmm. one of the three. That's a good point. Oh, yeah, that was probably an ethnic one for the Iraq one, yeah. Um, there's a mystical form of Islam. Kind of like... Whirling dervishes? Okay. What's the mystical form of Islam? It's also the one that probably you hear the most often. There's Sunni, there's Shia, and then there's... Uh, uh, Sufi. Sufi, yes, thank you. Yeah, Sufi. And he was what, Amahi? Amadi. Amadi. That's in a brand... Uh, what's that? They followed Ahmad as I, I, oh, I'm yeah. not sure if it was in place of um, these just other two historical in the split or it's I'm pretty sure that's one of the branches I think it's a Sunni branch like you know so it's kind of like Protestant <laughs> you've got there's there's a lots of different branches off of the Sunni branch I think that's off of the um, where was he from? Is he from Pakistan? Pakistan? Hmm. But it, it sounds like they were a great minority. 
Maybe it hits a branch off of the Shia then, if it's that far east. It sounded like neither of the groups considered them Islamic even. Oh. Based on just a couple of oddball things, but. Yeah. Not a big group, I guess. Hmm. Yeah, Sufi would be like the. Sufi is to Islam what Kabbal is to. Kabbalism is to Judaism. It's like the mystical form of. Um, so is it a cultic? I don't know a ton about it. I just know that that's the, the more mystical. And that's a very small percentage. So is it a fair parallel to say that Shia and Sunni are denominations of Islam? Hmm. That's a, I don't know. They still, I, I think yeah. they have yeah. a lot more probably in common than. Yes. Or maybe if we go back to our, our previous lessons and say, um, well, Augustine and this guy argued this. They had a lot in common, but there's a couple of core things that they argued about. Um, and then from there, they kind of branched out and continued going this way. Um, so maybe, maybe it's, I don't know. Would it be more like First Reformed Church? <laughs> Second Christian, like seriously, yeah, where I mean, it would be more of that, like that, than calling it a denomination, yeah. sure, sure, yeah, uh, the yeah, first Baptist church, second Baptist church, where they haven't gone to you know 55 levels that we have, but right, or is it more like Orthodox versus Catholic? Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. Mm -hmm. Now, without, I mean, in, you're, if you're asking like the current state like how far apart or similar they are yeah. because I mean there's you know 1500 years of other distinction that's probably been built up I don't I wouldn't be able to answer that yeah. but my guess is it's more like what the difference between um, a Presbyterian and a Reformed Baptist it's like we, we have diff, differing views on these two things but basically we would consider each other's brothers so I think, or like, did you say, like, they probably have a whole lot more in common. Yeah, it seems like they both do the, the prayers five times a day, and they, yeah. they, they all, whatever, share the same traditions. Yeah. Perhaps internally it seems like a huge chasm to them, you know, because yeah. they are aware of the differences. But to us as outsiders, it's like, well, you guys look exactly the same to us. <laughs> and, and so then, you know, we're, we're called, we're, we're referred to as the Christian West. Yeah. And, uh, and, and then they would lump in Protestants and Catholics and um, Orthodox. And, and we would say... That's Hold on. You do what with Mary? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, Joe, Joe alluded to this here. Let me give you the five doctrines and the five pillars. Um, the five doctrines are the five doctrines. The five pillars would be the five practices that um, that uh, Muslims would be required to participate in. So here's the doctrines. There is only one. There is one and only one God. Okay. So this is that strong. 
Um, I'd put it this way, absolute monotheism. Absolute monotheism. Now, uh, how about simple monotheism? Or simple monotheism. Simple monotheism would be. Couldn't we say we have absolute monotheism? It's just not simple. <laughs> you mean we meaning Christians? Yeah. Okay, so that's a good point. We would. would is Christianity a monotheistic religion? Yes. Right. It's monotheistic. But it would be of the Trinitarian variety, right? We would be Trinitarian monotheistic. So that's complex. It's, it's, <laughs> the, it's the hardest thing, if you're trying to understand it in and of itself, it's the hardest thing in the Christian faith to understand. Yeah, 100% agree. Yeah, 100%. They have a carbohydrate. We have a complex carbohydrate. <laughs> Where's the whole There you go. <laughs> wow. There you go. <laughs> Boom. The complex. They're just sugar. sugar. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> We're brown rice. I like it. Oh. Anyway. So okay, absolute or <laughs> or simple mono monotheism. Like it's a monotheism is just a monotheism. And then next week we'll get into the distinctions here. So then, like, what would they object to about Christianity, um, or what would they agree with? Where would be the parts where they would say, hey, we consider you brothers, but then what, they would turn around and say, that's paganism. They would accuse us of having three gods. Yeah, they would accuse us of having three gods. Which, if, and again, this is my speculation again, if Muhammad didn't really understand, I mean, because, you know, this is it, the... Sure, we had the, the Council of Constantinople 381, and then you had the Council of Chalcedon in 451 that said Trinitarian Orthodoxy. That's the boundaries. But you still had all these other groups, and maybe that's who he interacted with, who he thought were Christians. Um, maybe he just got the Trinity. He just didn't understand a right articulation of the Trinity. Maybe. Um, all right, that's doctrine number one. Uh, doctrine number two. Um, there have been many prophets, including Noah, Abraham, Moses, Jesus, but Muhammad is the last prophet. I thought John Smith yes. was, darn it all. Yeah, John. <laughs> and you should have had somebody come and say, I'm a continuation of Islam. Actually. Right. Uh, um, number three. Uh, God created angels, some of which are, are good and others are evil. Um, this is the fourth one, although sometimes the fourth... Side note on angels. Would you consider an angel a messenger or an actual... Because in Hebrew, angel a lot of times is... Messenger. Oh, just messenger, yeah. So they're, would you consider uh, like a, a being? Yeah, these would, be, these would be like a heavenly type of being, but okay. they're created beings. Okay, yes. got, it. Okay. got it. And yeah, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't have a, a God status at, at all because of the simple monotheism. Right, okay. Uh, the Quran is God's full and final revelation. Quran means basically recitation. 
so ikra I think is the word for um, to recite so these were recitations um, and number five the final day of judgment is coming coming followed by heaven for the faithful and hell for the lost so some of these were like huh? these we share but here's the five pillars or the five practices, and these are probably the ones that are most, if you ask you know, a Muslim what's the, the essentials to your faith, these would be the ones that they would talk about. Number one would be shahada, S-H. Oh, yeah. So wait, the ones you just told us were the five pillars? Those were the five doctrines. Okay. Yeah. And now you're telling us the five pillars? Yeah, the five, they, they call them pillars, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, the pillars. Sorry. Uh, no problem. Shahada which is basically the confession, there is no uh, God but Allah, and Muhammad is his prophet or messenger. Make sure you got some recognition there. Yes, right. <laughs> There's, and, I am the yeah. last one. I am the yeah. last one. <laughs> that Start is the religion. Make sure you have a prominent place in it. Exactly, yeah. exactly. God is important, and also me. <laughs> God is important, but I am right up there with them. <laughs> And uh, don't fear that I've said it, this, you know, that I've already made the confession here. I didn't, because you can only do it in Arabic. You, it's only Arabic. The Arabic saying, Allah is, there is only God, uh, there is only one God and it's Allah and Muhammad is his messenger. You have to say it in Arabic and you have to say it in a certain setting or something like that. Um, that's called the Shahada. Which you see, if you see like the Arabic flags and there's the script, that's basically it drawn. Like a Saudi flag. Yes, and yeah. sometimes it's in, sometimes it's round, or sometimes it's, you know, written out. That's it. So that's the Shahada right there. That's the, it'd be like the Shema in, you know, Hebrew. Mm -hmm. You know, Euro yeah. Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Like, yeah. this is, and I wouldn't, be surprised if this isn't just a spin off of the Jewish Shema, right? Um, so number two is uh, Salah or Salat. Salat, per plural, but Salah, S-A-L-A-H um, is uh, that's the praying five times a day that Joe mentioned. So a true uh, Muslim who is truly uh, in submission, would he would make the confession, there is no uh, God but one, the Shahada, and then he would do Salat, which would be praying five times a day. Uh, Saum, S-A-W-M, and this is the fast of Ramadan. It's to fast on the month of Ramadan. Which is coming up, actually. I think it started. I don't think it started yet. Yeah, I'm trying to remember when. Does it coincide with Lent? It does not coincide because the, uh, the Muslim calendar only has 30 days, I think. Or, no, the Muslim calendar, there's a lunar calendar. And they don't have, like, a leap year. And so it keeps shifting. So okay. next year, Ramadan will be a week or two earlier and okay. every year. Yeah. So... Sometimes Ramadan is harder because it's in June with all the sun. Yes. It's in December with a lot of dark. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. 
Because you can only, you can fast during the day. You cannot eat or drink, actually. You can't eat or drink no. during the day, but you can at night. Yeah. You can eat at night, right? Yeah. Not just yeah. drink at night. You can eat at night, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's Psalm, S-A-W-M. And then there's Zakah, or and it could be with a Z or it could be with an S. Um, and that is to give alms to the needy. And I, I think the requirement is one fortieth of one's income, which would be, what would that percentage wise? Not very much. Man, fortieth. It's like two point five percent. Two point five. Yeah, two point five percent. Yeah. So two point five percent. Which is interesting because that's about the national average of giving. Yeah. So Islam doesn't demand any more than so, what someone would give almost of their own car. <laughs> That's easy. Boom. One of the four, five pillars done. How do you spell that? Uh, Z-A-K-A-H. Or you, or you could do an S instead of the Z. And the last one is probably one that we're familiar with or have heard before. The Hajj. H-A-J-J. Which is the pilgrimage uh, to Mecca. Every able-bodied Muslim must, once in their lifetime, make a, a pilgrimage to Mecca. And is Mecca still in the same spot as you have it drawn there? Yeah. Yeah, it's still there. And the, um, the Kaaba is there, the big black kind of square-looking building is there. And that's, that's insider baseball. Stuff. There's something about some meteorite hitting the planet, you know, the Earth or something there, and marks the spot. I don't know much more about that. But cave still there? The cave. Uh, that's a good question. Mount Hira, H-I-R-A, is where it was, where he would go. So it's a cave. So the mountain, I'm sure, is still there. But yeah, I think that'd be a shrine, huh? Yeah. It just has this this distinct odor. Yeah. <laughs> There's some fungus growing inside that has peyote or something like that. Uh, let me see if there's some other terms here. Ramadan is Saturday, April 2nd. Okay, so how about this for next time? We what'd you say Saturday, April? April 2nd. April 2nd, okay. Um, so how about we do this? I will look up, I'll see if I could find that chart I made. And then we can even look at some of the, the verses. And this actually was published by Zondervan. This came out a couple years ago, the Quran with Christian commentary. So it's the text of the Quran in a fairly recent and popular translation. By the way, there is no translation. We were talking about translation with Jerome and Augustine. There is no translating. There is no authoritative translation of the Quran for Muslims. It's Arabic only. That's the only authoritative one. All the rest are, they call interpretations. We've talked about every translation as interpretation. They don't call them translations, they call them interpretations. So. But anyways, this is, and this is basically like a study Bible for the Quran, but written from a Christian perspective with Christian notes in it. I just got this last week and I was like, oh, this is actually pretty interesting. So it is interesting. I'll wait for the accordance module to go on sale. Yeah, I know. I wish it was, because they don't even have, the, the, the Quran in 
You would I think, think they added it now. I did think they? Re, I think very recently they added Arabic as a supported language and they started publishing the Quran as a module? I think so. Oh. I'll double check. Because it's hard to find. Um, I have a couple of other interpretations in storage that I had marked up when I had done that sermon series, but I got this and I thought this was kind of interesting to read some of the notes on. So here's the deal. We're, I'll find that chart so that we can kind of compare some of those. And then I want to look at the doctrines of Islam compared with the Christian doctrines. And then apologetically, what can a Christian do apologetically in talking with a Muslim? How about that for next time? Yeah? Okay. All right. Um, if you have an ESV study Bible, by the way, who has one? You got one? There, in the articles in the back, there's a section called The Bible and Islam. You may want to read that out to your Just two pages or something. But good. All right, let, uh, let me pray, and we'll close. Father, we, um, we thank you. Um, we thank you for your, your word. We thank you for your true providence throughout history. Um, Lord, it was, comes as no surprise to you that a man named Muhammad would come into history and would come and um, grow one of the largest religions in the world. Um, and this is, comes as no surprise to you. God, I pray that as, as we learn more about uh, Islam and its origins, um, but also what its uh, scriptures teach, may you help us to understand it uh, so that we can understand uh, our own faith better and help us to um, know how to, to have conversations uh, with those who are in Islam or are tempted to follow Islam. Um, that you can help us to have um, helpful and fruitful conversations with them and that uh, we could point them to the truth of your word. Um, so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.